Hi, I'm Kate Fairweather, and I want to wish you a Happy New Year because we need a new year. 2020 was bad, but 2021 really sucked. And for us, it was really difficult to get our episodes out on time and every month like we should have. I think we only got about half of them out. But let me tell you a little bit about how 2021 was for us. We had somebody have major surgery. We had... We moved, had to look for a house all summer from May until November and moved finally into a house in New York. So we're up here near Barb. My husband had heart issues. Um, My brother Stork was going to come and live with us and he was really looking forward to it. And right before he was supposed to come up here, he passed away. So we had a funeral in Texas and we had a funeral in New York and that was really difficult. And as I said, we have two new grandbabies coming, one for each of us, and one of them has already been born early, so he's going to be in the NICU for a little while. Is there anything else? Oh gosh, I'm sure. Omicron, that was not helpful either. So I just want to say I'm really sorry for both of us that we didn't get those episodes out like we should have, and we appreciate your patience and your continued listening, and hopefully this year, 2022, will be better, or at least we'll get our episodes out, because we won't be tied up with all the crap that we were tied up with earlier. So once again, thank you, Happy New Year, and this is Disaster Tales. Moravia, New York. My name is Kate Fairweather, and today I'm here with Lindsay Wilson, and we're going to be talking about 911. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. It's good to be here again, third time. Yeah, it's nice to see you. Yeah. We need to do this more often. Uh, well, Lindsay, you um, have been on this podcast before talking about things, mm-hmm. and also you have your own podcast. Why don't you tell us what that is? Um, it's called Home on the Strange. We actually haven't had a new episode in a little over a year. We've been on hiatus, had a move and everything, but we're looking Mm -hmm. at getting back into it here pretty soon, so. Yeah, I've been kind of not keeping up either, because we've, this is 2021, we ended up, it skipped a lot of them. It's just because we've had moving and death in the family and things like that, so we just have not been able to keep up. Hopefully 2022 will be a better year all around. Right. Not just for us. Right. For everyone. <laughs> but uh, but my podcast is Home on the Strange. We talk about uh, paranormal things um, in Texas that are linked to Texas history. We focus more on the history part, but it's got paranormal stuff with it. So it's pretty fun. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've listened to some. They really are fun. Mm-hmm. So um, you work right now at a 911 call center. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, I work for an un- unnamed agency for now. Uh, That's right. That's fine. <laughs> unnamed agency. Um, we are the PSOP for our area, meaning we're the primary answering answering point. So like okay. one call in our area gets directed to us first before anybody else. Um, and we answer 911 calls. We also dispatch uh, our law enforcement. And for EMS and fire, we transfer out for those. So. 
Okay, so you said if somebody calls in and needs help with a police officer, you tell the police directly where to go. Yes. But if they call in for fire or ambulance, you hand them off to fire and ambulance yes. services. Yeah. Okay, I, got it. They dispatch law enforcement. Now, we do assist EMS and fire. So, like, even if we transfer to the EMS or fire line, we stay on the phone until we know we're not needed as well. You know? Okay. And, and that's important for you to stay on the phone yeah. until you are basically done leading those people to help. Yes. So you're a hero. Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people say we are. To me, it's just like another day, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's better yeah. to be helping people than say, I don't know, taking their money and <laughs> not giving it back. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about nine one one. Tell us, tell us basically, kind of what it is and how it got started. Oh, okay, so 911 is like the American and Canadian emergency number. Um, and basically, you dial 911 on your phone. And even if your phone's not hooked up, uh, like if, like, say you have a cell phone that no longer has service, by law, they have to still be able to dial 911. So, whatever phone you have, dial 911. Um, another trick that I would give you for now, as well as that, is if you have a landline. Even if you don't have service to that landline, you can call 911 from that landline as well. Um, if oh, okay. Up to it. Uh, so then if it's a real <laughs> emergency and you don't have a phone, if you if you have a phone with you, then you can still call 911. No, exactly. Um, so, like, the thing is, is um, we prefer a landline. So even if, like, you don't have the phone hooked up, like, you're not receiving calls, if you just have a landline phone in your house, it gives us your address directly instead of us having to wait on uh, location services to find you. So Okay, and you need location services with a cell phone. Yes. Because they're, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, do, should we go over, like, how 911 works and then the history? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, let's do that. So when you call 911 on your cell phone, um, it goes off of cell towers, right? And that's how we know which agency you're going to. So, like, if you're in where I live, your cell tower, like, your phone call will come to us if it's hitting one of our cell towers. Um, mm -hmm. And we have what we call phase one and phase two, which phase one is a general idea of where you are, which is usually, like, the first tower you hit is going to give us an area around that tower. Now, mm -hmm. phase two is where we've actually triangulated you based on locations off of other cell towers and how far you are. We can get a better idea of where you are. Is that always 100% accurate? No. That's why we always ask you your address. <laughs> right. Confirm your address or your location. Um, and, like, that's why we always have to confirm. Because, like, we can get you within, like, six meters, but then we have some where we can't get within 30 meters. And 30 meters is right. the area. Um, well, and the, and the thing is that the person who's using that phone may not be the person who lives there. They may exactly. Yep. They may not know what the address is right off the bat, and right. people forget a lot of things when they're upset or worried. And and we have protocols for that. Like if it's a guest at a house who's calling nine one one, we're like find a piece mm -hmm. of mail, walk outside and look at the numbers, because mm -hmm. at least we can get what what area you're in, so we can kind of guess from there. So like if you can at least give us the house numbers, we at least know what street you're on, um, or right. close to. You know, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or like a house that's good and helps too. Uh, so anyway, so based off of that location service, um, we also have what we call Annie Alley, which is your number identifier and your location identifier, and those come mm -hmm. with with your with your locations. So we're able to get your phone number, um, what cell provider service you have if we need to ping your phone, um, mm -hmm. and 
some some are good enough like they'll give us like subscriber information but like usually not uh we're they're more able to get just like a location and your phone number um and the way our agency does it is we always ask people to confirm their phone number and give us their name because if like say they do have a real emergency one day or you know whatever even if it's a 911 hang up especially we get name and number because uh, if they do have a real emergency one day <clears throat> we're able to at least uh, confirm hey this person has this phone and they're normally at this address you know so like, okay that's good I mean, like, we'll go off location either way, you know, but we like to have people in our system for emergency reasons, you know. Well, I know back when I was a child, which was way before 911 ever came into being, um, actually, a lot of people, addresses was like Rural Route 2, you know. You'd be Mrs. Taylor, Rural Route 2, and, and Mr. Evans, Rural Route 2, and it was... It would, they would give the mail to the person, to the postman, and the postman would drive up the road, and he knew whose house it was. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't an actual numerical address. Yeah. And only since the advent of the Enhanced 911 have they actually made everybody have a real address. Yeah. So basically, um, and you brought up a good one, is Enhanced 911. So, um, so well, we can, we can, we can either go into that or you can start at the go back to the history or what do you want to do oh well um i, I just want to finish up real quick with how it works oh okay so, i'm sorry so with hands 911 um like like you said you know not everybody had an address associated um but and that used to go by like uh phone number or like like back in the day early 911 it used to go by phone number on who you were routed to but now we have location which is enhanced 911 so, like, even if you're on jurisdiction line, we can figure out who needs to come to you because of Enhanced 911. You know what I'm saying? Because it's right. like address. Um, so, some... So that your address actually determines who comes to your assistance. Yes. Whether they come from the yes. town to the west or the town to the east. Um, okay, yeah. So, basically, like, um, our county is shares a border with, like, six other counties. And we have a major city also who, who borders us. Um, two major cities, <laughs> so we have to uh, we have to be very careful about jurisdiction. So, like, I mean, you get used to it, but like, um, basically, like our our Vesta map will show us jurisdiction lines and like where this address is popping up and yada yada. Now, because location is not always accurate and it can be way far off, we really have to make sure we're careful when they're around those jurisdiction lines and get their exact address. Mm -hmm. So, um. Okay, so I guess we can go back up to the right here. But yeah, so okay. Enhanced 911 is basically the location services I was talking about. Like, that that's the Enhanced. It used to be just, oh, you have this phone number, you're in this zip code, this is who's going to come to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, okay, so before the 60s, and I think it's like 67, so mm -hmm. I think, yeah, so... Um, before the 60s, we didn't have 911. You, like, had to memorize all your emergency service numbers. <laughs> right. Or get an operator. And um, if, if I don't know if you've ever had to call 911, but it's, like, with how busy my call center is, I couldn't imagine everybody trying to call an operator. That would be insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I know from my experience when when our parents would have to get us a babysitter, you would have to leave 
a paper that had the number of the police, the fire, the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, the hospital, um, somebody who, a, a close relative or somebody who lived in the neighborhood, and then the phone place, I'm sorry, the phone number where you're supposed to be, the parents. Mm-hmm. And so there's, and, and if you had an emergency, you had to check the list. And if you were in an emergency, you might not remember where the list was. Right. So uh, a lot of people did end up dialing O for operator and the zero and operators were pretty good at doing that, but they aren't, they weren't trained to handle emergencies and they weren't, you know, that wasn't really expected of them, but it happened a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I can imagine, you know, like the parents, because every, like, say you're babysitting Jimmy down Main Street one day and then you're babysitting Susie down, you know, whatever street the next day, they might be completely different jurisdictions, so the number's going to change, too. Right. <laughs> and well, because, yeah, because back then, there were still people that could use, like, a five-digit number. Because oh. the, the first three numbers of the phone number were usually a word. So ours was mu 7 um, and then the last four digits, and then they called it Mutual 7. And it's like, if you if you go back to some of the old movies, you'll hear them saying things like, you know, Pennsylvania 65,000 or something like that. Okay. Um, okay. So the, you, it was just a way to remember those the first three digits because the area code gives you a large area. The exchange number, the first three digits, gives you the... Uh-huh main area and then the last four digits were your personal phone number wow okay uh, so, so that, yeah it was really and then you had to use I, a rotary phone too so by the time you were done oh, dialing your finger God. hurt really bad yeah <laughs> no i can imagine no and that, and, and that uh the movie transylvania six five thousand makes complete and total sense now the title does makes sense. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so basically like you know, uh, the other issue with that, too, is, like, with the large cities and stuff, like, you might have uh, different, you know, agencies covering different areas. Because, mm-hmm. like, our jurisdiction, a law enforcement jurisdiction changes throughout the county at a different rate than the fire does. So, like, the same fire department might service these two areas, but we have two different police departments. So, like, there's, there's a lot of memorization, and it's easier if, like, you just kind of consolidate it. Um, right. And and you got also got police and you got sheriff who mm-hmm. have the same kind of they cover the same area and things like that. So, yeah. Right. My center um we we have the sheriff's office, we've got the constables, we've got all the little cities in our area, but we all dispatch out of one center. Um mm-hmm. now different jurisdictions depend on which units go, up, but we all dispatch out of one center to make it easy. So, yeah. <laughs> you oh, know. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so Again, you know, people would tend to just dial zero for operator, and they'd the operator would have to figure out who goes to who. And that's a lot, especially when you've got normal phone calls coming in and you're helping other people. Like, people, stuff gets overlooked. People get missed. People are left on hold for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a long time. Um, so one example that I found was a 1946 Washington Post article that described a woman whose apartment was on fire. She tried to reach the operator by dialing the emergency number 311. And uh, I guess that was like for her local, like, I guess that was the last three of her local fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, And forgot that the fire, the fire center's 
number was Union 1122. So, like, she messed up dialing it. Yeah, she's, well, and that, and that's the thing, when you're, when you're in a situation like that, you get real nervous and you do forget things, really simple things. Well, it's like, you have some people, like, um, I, I'll give an example, we had an older lady, she called 911, luckily she remembered the number, but by the time we got her on the phone, she was so flustered, she forgot what, how, what her address was, and she'd been living there for 50 years. Right, you know? exactly, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, luckily, well, and that's, on that's on one that. thing, I'm so. No, no, you're fine. Oh. I mean, luckily she was calling in on a landline, so we were able to be like, is it this? And she was able to verify, yes, that's my address, or, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's And that's, that's yeah. the nice thing, because a landline is physically connected yes. to the system. There's no radio waves involved in that at all. It's all yeah. hardwired all the way from your phone downtown into, because it's powered by a DC battery that's at your local telephone switching station yeah and so you, you're physically connected to that so you can't really move the house right <laughs> well, well the thing is is even with cell phones like like say we've even got a uh say we've even got a uh you know like a like a like a 15 meter ping okay so it could be any of three houses you know sometimes you can be like well i'm showing you're on this street can you just walk outside and give me the house number or like you know things like that it, it, we, yeah. we, there's ways to do it it just takes experience and training to get it done so mm -hmm. um okay. so an, another example um of people of how crappy the 911 system used to be uh was in 1958 a New York City woman named Rosamond Reinhardt pointed out the severity of the problem when she attempted to call in a fire at a nearby apartment. She dialed zero for operator. She worked in one of the busiest cities in the country and was forced to compete with every person dialing the operator at the same time, meaning she kept getting dropped lines and she was put on hold. Right. Um, and, you know, this entire time, she's, she's also trying to there, call in a fire. Yeah, so, there's a fire going on. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but well, and that's true because yeah. you even there's people even would call the operator for a phone number. Yeah, yeah. Instead of information. Right, and and that's the thing. It's like you, it, it, there wasn't a prioritizing system in their phone lines like how we have now. So, mm -hmm. like, if you and your neighbor both call at the same exact time, but you call number one and they call for information, your call is going to be put through first before theirs. Our system priorita prioritizes that. You know, because mm -hmm. you have an emergency, they don't, you know. Right. Um, and and it's like, but back in the day, operators didn't have anything to do that for them at all. No. Because everybody's just dying zero for operator, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah. And that's how that we've done that before, too. When we were kids, we had, uh, we were very accident prone. So we occasionally had to make that call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the, 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 the good thing, too, though, is like with the small towns, it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure it, there were issues, but the, I'm sure it wasn't that big of a problem because everybody, one, everybody knew everybody. And two, right. like, you don't have as many people calling information as you do in a larger city. So right. and my, mo my mother no. was an operator, so she, they physically yeah. connected one line to another back then. Yeah, 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 I get that. Well, now we, we use computers and headsets now, so. <laughs> yeah, better than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so these types of problems, um, in the mid fifties, officials from the international association of fire chiefs, uh, were starting to make the case for a single national telephone number for the public to call in case of emergency. 
1967, a report was made to President Johnson's Commission on Law Enforcement and Administration of Justice, and it suggested that a single telephone number should be designated for calls to use in emergencies nationwide or at least in major cities. Um, mm-hmm. It also recommended that police departments have two lines, one for emergencies and regular business calls, like what we just said about how we separate our 911 and non-emergency lines now. Right. That makes um, sense. That way, the callers who call 911 aren't stuck behind a non-emergency. <laughs> right. Um, Somebody's complaining that their cat, their neighbor's dog is barking too loud. And meanwhile, you're on hold because your house is on fire. Right. Although we do have the the instance where someone will call 911 for noise and then someone calls non emergency like, well, I don't know if it's an emergency, but my husband's not breathing. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and like, yeah, okay. well, could be. <laughs> and that the issue with non-emergency is we're not getting the location information. So if they don't know where they're at, we're screwed. That's the, yeah. that's the thing. So if you, if you, honest to God, feel like you're in danger and you don't know where you are, call 911. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's better to be safe, right, than sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the FCC, which is the Federal Communications Commission, they had all of, like, telephone communications, radio communications, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. they were tasked with partnering to make the universal emergency number. Um, AT&T at the time, which used to be called American Telephone and Telegraph Company, um, and I'm sure they still use the acronym, but not a lot of people know the full name. We just know AT&T. Um, right. In the in late '67, uh, they were put together to figure out what number what the number should be. Um, in '68, AT&T proposed that the numbers 911 should make up the new uh, emergency number. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason the reason they chose 911 is the number is short, easy to remember, and can be dialed relatively quick, quickly with few digits. Um, Right. And there's other N11 numbers, which is what we we call them, um, based on the first digit is what service you're getting. So, like, mm-hmm. they always say, call 411 before you dig. You know, like, that's for information mostly and utility. Right. And then you have, like, 911, which is emergency services. I'm not going to list them all because I don't remember them all, but, <laughs> but I, had, I had to know them for my test. So. <laughs> well, yeah. And, th- and by the time this came out, there were more touchtone phones and the nine and the one are so far apart. You don't accidentally hit a different number. Yep, exactly. Um, because that's that's the other thing is like um, people get in a rush and uh, like we get this all the time. So like a store, they have dial 911 to get out. We have people call mm-hmm. 911 all the time because they accidentally hit the one twice or something, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I really wish they would change that. Well, and I found it really interesting that they actually had to educate people to say 911 as opposed to 911. Yeah. Because I I heard a story one time about a woman who was had an emergency. She was very upset and she dialed the 9 and she couldn't find the 11. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, somebody finally took the phone from her and dialed it for her, but so when you say 911, you specifically say 911. Yes. And 911 now days is because it's from the 9-11 attacks in 2001 because the other issue too and this is more for like our younger people so like one of the most googled questions when you type in 911 on the google bar is Mm -hmm. is 9-1-1 because of 9-11 and it's like it's not that long ago oh my god (laughs) 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 yeah but that was a that was 20 years ago so it was a long time but Okay, but come on, like that one was been around longer than nine eleven. <laughs> that's that's true. 
<laughs> That's true, but they but, they, but you can see why they had to do the special yeah. public education program where they said it's nine one one. Right, right. Well, I mean, and and the only thing is, is like, uh, it, it just floors me because I'm like, bro, like there's nine one one calls from nine eleven, like <laughs> where the yeah. <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, let's see. It says here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so Congress supported AT&T's proposal for 911 as a national emergency number and passed legislation um, to that effect. So in order to make things fair for all telephone companies that needed to update their equipment and offices in order to handle the new, one, the new 911 call system, the Bell system policy was created. This policy merged the cost of improvements and the basic rates that telephone companies charge their customers. Because, of course, who cares about people being safe? But what's the bottom line? With the phone yeah, company. exactly. <laughs> um, I you find that a lot. So the first 911 call ever made was in Haleyville, Alabama, and that was made on February 16, 1968. Senator Rankin Fight placed the call, and the person who ha- who answered it was U.S. Representative Tom Bevel, who was waiting at the Haleyville Police Department for the call. Nome, Alaska, established the country's second 911 emergency system only a few weeks after Haleyville. Which bores me. <laughs> well, and the thing is that I remember, I remember at that time when Chicago instigated their nine one one system, mm-hmm. and and it was a brand new idea. And I thought, wow, that's a, that is an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope it works because they were testing it out at the time. Well, I mean, and Im- it, imagine like like it's kind of like when um, you know, f- smartphones became smart. It's like it's like how have we ever lived without this? Like, why were we doing it? You know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> that's right. You had to you had to run into the house to make a phone call. Oh, and, terrible! And you couldn't you couldn't walk out of your. If you were lucky and you were a teenager, you had a really long cord on the wall phone so that you could go and shut the door into the <laughs> broom closet and yeah. talk to your boyfriend so your mother couldn't <laughs> hear you. But but that was it. If you had a short cord, mom heard everything. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, not to mention, like, imagine if there's, like, a home intruder, you're kind of stuck to your phone. Like, right. you know. <laughs> and you have to drag it into the closet. And I, yeah. I've actually seen that in movies. People people in the closet going, I'm in my closet. And there's somebody in the house. So, yeah, sometimes cell phones are, are a good idea. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. But no, I'm just saying, like, like the ease of which 911 made emergency calls, it's kind of how cell phones made our life easy. You know, mm-hmm. um, same thing. Yeah. So 10 years after Congress established 911 as the country's universal emergency phone number, 20 percent of United States citizens could dial 911 and be connected with their local emergency services. So 10 years and we're only at just over a quarter of people who can use 911. Mm-hmm. It might surprise you to learn that even just 25 years ago, well, 25 years at the time of the article that I read, so 89, mm-hmm. I do, so 32 years ago. <laughs> That number had risen only to half, so 50%. However, just a decade after that, it rose to 93% of the country. So even mm-hmm. as soon as 1999, we just had 93% of people. Like the year mm-hmm. I was born, when I was a baby, only half of the United States had number one services. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Does that make you feel old or young? <laughs> I don't know. I- I'm a little concerned. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not know. Because, like, I remember being taught in school about 911, but, like, I don't 
real I didn't realize I guess that not everybody had that one one you know yeah if that mm-hmm. makes sense and especially yeah it does because it like, went to the big cities first I'm sorry it went to the big cities first yeah well like when I was a baby we were living you know in like Clear Lake which is just south of Houston and then um, when I was in school, my first couple years in elementary school was in Tacoma, Washington. That's not a very big city. So we were just mm-hmm. being caught 911, you know. Um, yeah. And then by the time I'm 10, you know, we're back in Houston. 911 is just like a thing. Like, you know, and, and, and you know, 93% of people finally had 911 by the time I was 10 years old, you know. And I, right. as of today, approximately 99% of people have access to 911 emergency phone number system. And that's good. Mm-hmm. But what about that other 1%? <laughs> you know? The other 1% are most likely are so far out in the boonies yeah. that they don't even, they either don't want anybody to know where they are, which is, I actually know people here that are like that. Uh-huh. And, and the, you know, or they just don't have, they don't have power. They're off the grid. Yeah. Well, the other issue I think would be homeless because they don't have phones or access. Right. Um. Now, although in in California they were giving homeless people telephones. Well, the the thing is, is like even if you have a disconnected phone, like keep it with you because you, that can call nine one one. It legally is required to you by the FCC. So, right. you know, um, but the the other thing too is like um, this is specifically talking about geographical areas that don't have nine one one. So it's not that it's not about individual access. It's about like. It's it's more about I think like areas that have nine one one services for them, like out in the mountains. Yeah, where you, yeah, yeah. Like I think you'd just be routed to the nearest city. Like, <laughs> well, well, I found out that where I moved to here in New York in Moravia, um, we've had T-Mobile service the whole time. Uh-huh. We've had cell phones. Well, recently, but when we moved here, there's a big, just a blotch on the map that doesn't have. T-Mobile. So we had to change from T-Mobile to something that had a tower in Moravia. Wow. <laughs> and when I was working in West Virginia, I swear there was only one tower in the entire state. It was AT&T because we were out in Greenbrier County in a little <laughs> town called White Sulphur Springs. Yeah. And you, you couldn't, there were there was only one tower in the area. And if you weren't on that, that, that um, service, then you couldn't get a phone call out. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although we could that's still a... get nine one one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like even if it's bad service, it'll connect. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so basically, um, back. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I got lost. Okay, so right. so today, like ninety nine percent of people. So I'm guessing, except for these like dead zone areas, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, have access to 911 because even if you're homeless like you have access like you can go to a business and be like hey i need to call 911 and more than like they'll give you a phone to call 911 okay like that, let's just be it, it happens all yeah. the time here it happens mm-hmm. all the time um but uh 911 is now international because canada adopted the same number as its emergency number which is cool because like we're neighbors so it would make sense we had the same emergency number because right. I'm sure there's a lot of trouble between the two countries, or there used to be before we had passports, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, getting in and out of Canada has always been pretty easy. The and yeah. and since nine eleven, it's harder to it's easy to go to Canada, but it's hard to get back into the U.S. 
Because now is the first time in my lifetime that they've ever had to have a passport to come back into the United States. Yeah. So, so on on the old nine one one system, it used to be based on the location that the phone number was calling from, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, it would it would route you to the closest nine one one, whatever. But not not all the time. Like municipal boundaries change like crazy all the time mm-hmm. so that's not always the best way to route numbers well um enhanced 911 was kind of used to fix this uh but cell and VoIP phones have introduced some new problems to the old 911 and enhanced them um to the old to old so- and enhanced systems um mm-hmm. namely trying to figure out where the person is making the call from so those location services that I was telling you about, like there's phase one, phase two, GPS tracking, you know, all that stuff. So this is going to sound kind of technical, but I'll explain. So for cell phones, the FCC requires very strict location parameters, either via GPS tracking of the cell phone or by cell network location. In the former case, meaning um, like GPS tracking, it needs to be accurate to within 150 meters for a minimum of 9% of 911 calls. And with mm-hmm. 50 meters for a minimum minimum of 67% of the calls. So, like, basically, what they're saying is, like, for this to be a viable system to base your phone calls off of, you need to be accurate by this amount, this percentage of the time. Like, at, at minimum, right? So, um, right. So, that, so, just quick, that means that... Wherever they get your signal from, they should be able to figure out where that location is with, within, what'd you say, 100 meters? 150 or... meters for 90% of your calls. So, like, you can have mm-hmm. better, have worse, but 90% of them need to at least be a minimum of within 150 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, for 67% of your calls, you know, of, of those calls, right, you need to have them within 50 meters Okay, so like for for pass right. FCC and for you to be a viable PSAP with GPS tracking, that those are your parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, so in now the latter, tell me, tell me real quick what PSAP is. Um, that's your primary service answering point. It's where okay. like you dial nine one one. That's the people you're getting, no matter what. Okay, thanks. Um, and from there, like that's what my center is. Um, we because it comes to us even if you need EMS and fire, and then we transfer you. So we're the PSAP, we're the primary service answering point. Okay. Um, so for the latter, which is the cell network location, um, it needs to be accurate to within 300 meters for 90 percent of the calls and 100 meters for 67. So you get a little bit more leeway if you're using cell network location, and that's why. Mm-hmm. So 100 mm-hmm. meters is a pretty big area. Um, not gonna lie, it's a pretty large area. Well, it's actually if you're in the center of a hundred meter area, then then it's actually two hundred meters across. Yes. Yep. So you could be anywhere in that area. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and when you're thinking, when you're thinking of like a suburban neighborhood where the houses are like literally touching, um, right? You could be anywhere, anywhere. Well, in apartments, yeah, apartments, same way. You're all calling from the same space. Yeah. So um, that too. Uh, so the the real issue there is you do get more leeway with cell network location, but it's it's frustrating for call takers. But most mm-hmm. people go off of cell network location because a lot of times we do get very good pings. I will admit. 
um, having your location on on your phone does help. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, but really, it's just triangulation. So, like, the more rural area you're in, the less accurate it's going to be. Yeah, but you know? on, the, um, on the other hand, if you're in a building, there's probably not going to be as no. many buildings around you either. No, exactly, because, like, we could have a six-meter ping, but you're in a, like, you're in a 120-unit building. And so it's like, well, <laughs> you know. Right, like, yeah. Uh, or you could, be out in the mil- you could be out in a field somewhere. Right, and that, that's why, that's why um, you know, it's very important, like, if you, you know, uh, if, if you don't know your address, try your best to just find something with the address on it. Or, or better yet, walk outside. Walk outside and let us know where you are. <laughs> You know, yep. like, <laughs> um, yeah, and so people anyway, don't think about that when they're upset and in the middle of an emergency. Yeah, yeah. So, just some more uh, junky junk. So, with Enhanced 911 or E911, the PSAPs are responsible for paying network trunking costs according to tariff rates. Um, mm-hmm. So, basically, like, we have what we call trunking, which is where, like, we have uh, all these lines set up. Um, on one line and that way we can take multiple number one at the same time uh blah 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 blah, blah right and like we can mm-hmm. separate an emergency and emergency the peace app is responsible for paying that so like part of your taxes go to that because we are tax paid right, <laughs> right. So, like people like to say oh well i pay your salary and it's like but you're also paying for all of this so we can even bother to help you you know like <laughs> right <laughs> you're right um so uh, other than that, I mean, there's really not much to it as far as how it works. It gets very technical, and I could go into it, but it'd probably put you to sleep. Um, so basically, what <laughs> well, happens? Well, you don't want to put me to sleep, but it might put somebody yeah. else to sleep. <laughs> so basically, what happens is you call nine one one. It goes to your closest PSAP, which again is your primary service answering point, and we're able mm-hmm. to triangulate your location as best as we can based off of your cell, like your cell tower position. Mm-hmm. But we still do need you to give us the address. Now, there are times where people give us an address and it doesn't match at all with what we're saying. And we take that into account because we do get some crazy calls that we need to really take into account, you know, mm-hmm. location versus what they're saying it is. Um, but basically, from there, we're able to assist you, you know, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so a lot of people, I get a lot of questions from people. The most often asked question is, what's your weirdest call or what's your craziest call? Um that's rude to ask, first of all. <laughs> like, like don't get me person, wrong. It's private, too. Yeah, private I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got funny stories, but I share them when I, you know, like, that's that's just a rude question to ask any first responder, because we have traumatic shit that we don't want to talk about, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, but I will share some stories. Um, but most of the questions I get are like, what if I call 911 on accident? Stay on the phone. You're not going to be in trouble for calling on accident. You just need to make mm-hmm. sure you're not having an emergency. We're going to verify your name, verify your phone number, and that's it. We're done. We just need to verify there's not an emergency. Now, well, some... The ri- okay. I think that, that that's important because if you accidentally call 911, you went, oh, my God, I called him by mistake, and you hang up. <laughs> there's situations where people are like, their husband is trying to kill them, and they pick uh-huh. up the phone and try to call, and then the husband hangs it up. And yep. they, you have to imagine it's a worst case until you find out it's not. Right. Um, and that, and that's the thing is like, uh, if you just stay on the line, let us know it's an accident. You know, we're done in like a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, say you hang up. 
now we're spending three, five, ten minutes trying to just verify, one, if we can get your location, which most of the time we can't with that quick of a call. We're only able mm-hmm. to get a face. Um, so we're trying to get your location. We're trying to call you back. We're trying to text you because we have text messaging. Um, and we're trying to figure out any way to get a hold of you just to make sure you're not, you're okay. And that wastes resources because we're not answering other 911 calls while we're looking for you. You know, right. So it's and, better just to hang on and, and tell you guys. That... Yeah, it's better just to stay on the phone. You're not going to be in trouble. Now, some agencies with nothing better to do will send a unit out no matter what. But <laughs> yeah, that's not us. We're too busy. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do everything we can to make sure you're okay. Um, and that's why, like, when you hang up on 911, you'll see, like, multiple missed calls. We'll text you. You know, it's because we're, try- we're just trying to make sure you're safe. So if you just hang on mm-hmm. the line, no one's going to be in trouble. We much prefer it if you just stay on the phone. <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so what if you don't speak English? That's fine. We have we have interpreters that we are able to call in any language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just well, tell us good. what you Yeah. Because a lot of times we get 911 calls from family members and they're like, my dad is in trouble, but he doesn't speak English and he didn't want to call. And I tell them, have him call. Let him know we have interpreters. Just let us know what language. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, because it's better to the person having the emergency is better for them to call than third party every time, every time right. we can know exactly what's going on and when we know who we're helping, we know what's going on, you know? Um, well also yeah. you can hear some of what's going on when they make a call. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so if you don't speak English, we do have options for you. Um, our call center, we actually just hired two more Spanish speaking people. So we have people in house that speak Spanish. Um, but mm-hmm. we also have um, we also have a language line for like Haitian, Vietnamese, because we have a uh, Nigerian, because we have a lot mm-hmm. of those in our area right now. Um, what else? Well, up uh, in up in Amarillo, where I used to live, we have really big um, immigrant population because our Catholic mm-hmm. Family Services sponsors a lot of people. So we had them from the Middle East, from Africa, from South America. Oh, yeah. We've, I mean, all different Urdu. You know, Hindu, all different languages, and the language of we we were able to get an interpreter for because we're required mm-hmm. to. Um, yeah. we're in service. Um, so what if you're deaf or hard of hearing? Uh, we have what we call TTY services, which is the um, it's like the touch tone services. Used to be on a big machine, uh, but now lately, cell phones have TTY services built into them. Um, <laughs> so you can actually like do it on the cell phone. Uh, mm-hmm. And our our answering every answering port has to have TTY. So no matter who you get, we have TTY, and that's by law because it's just too much of a hassle to just have one. Um, okay, and TTY every- is what they type into you. So basically, yeah, you're typing in, and then it translates over the phone line through tones and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. touch tone, right? Um, and basically, based on those tones, the computer translates it and then we're able to type back and send it over and like it'll work with with actual uh the the plugged in machines it'll do that too but um i think it is capable on the cell phone as well if i remember correctly so um it's well if it's not it should be oh yeah for sure um so the other the other question is when do i call 911 or when do i not call 911 so basically, mm-hmm. if it's a threat to your life or your property and it's an immediate threat, call 911. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. and when I say threat, I don't mean like 
they're stepping on my grass. What I mean is like your house is about to burn down or someone's driven a car into your house or someone's trying to kill you, <laughs> you know? Or, or okay. Dying. And so if you have a broken leg, <laughs> a broken leg, call me. You can and call you're them. in a cemetery, <laughs> which is where I was <laughs> when I broke my leg. Um, oh, 911. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. Fine. Cause, uh, and that's I'm, what we did. Yeah. No, no. Um, no, broken bones count. Um, mm-hmm. you remember, you remember mom saying, if it's not broken, bleeding or dying, don't come to me. Like that's, that's pretty right. much that one, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, no, like, yeah, no, I, no, like for the kids, like if mom and dad are arguing and it scares you, call us please, because we'd rather it be safe than sorry, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we understand we want y'all safe. We want you to feel safe. That's fine. And, and you won't get in trouble for it. No, exactly. You never get in trouble for calling anyone. Um, now, if you're crank calling, that's different. Like, if you're doing it for fun, you will get in trouble. But, like, mm-hmm. if, if, if mom and dad are arguing and you're genuinely scared, or if you're home alone and you hear something and you're genuinely scared, like, that's fine. We understand that. You know, we're here to help mm-hmm. you. It doesn't bother us. Um, you know, but, like, if, if, say, Jimmy John down the street's got a barbecue and the music's a little loud, Call the non-emergency number. Don't call number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not an immediate yeah. threat to your property or life. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe um, just your ears, but that's right. all. Right. Um, if there's now, like, okay, here, here's here's kind of a confusion one. A lot of people call nine one one for someone walking down the street. Well, unless you see them physically breaking into a house or a car, call the non-emergency number, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, and that gets people killed too because. Yeah. There's been a number of people who were reported as being a stranger in the neighborhood that have been that have gotten killed in a police encounter. Yep, exactly. And, and so, and like the agency, we're we're very like guns last kind of thing. Like that's our agency anyway. Um, mm-hmm. From my experience, and I've been there for a little over a year now, uh, mm-hmm. and I think we've had one officer involved shooting, and that was. Um, some guy came out firing at them, barricaded from his apartment, came out firing, and they mm-hmm. fired. And that was the only one that I'm aware of. So Yeah, but if somebody's walking down your street and they keep oh, going, no. yeah. just don't worry about it. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're honestly that concerned, call the non-emergency number. We'll come check the area. But unless you mm-hmm. see them breaking into something or a house, like a car... Or like physically beating someone up, like don't worry about it, mind your business. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so what services can nine one one connect you to? So nine one one immediately, it's police, fire, and ambulance. That's what we'll mm-hmm. ask you. We'll be like nine one one, what is your location or what is your address? And then the next thing we're going to ask you is, do you do police, fire, or ambulance? Mm-hmm. Um, now as far as like poison control and stuff. Um, we have the same 800 number you do, <laughs> so that's yeah. what we're calling um, when we connect you there. Now, if you call 911 because you're panicking, fine. We'll have an ambulance come at the same time we're getting you with poison control. Ambulance, I think, has a backline to poison control, but, like, we don't because we're law enforcement. <laughs> um, right. But, uh, what do you call it? Um, the other services, we have animal control. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not really nine one one. Like that'll be a Monday through Friday, eight to five kind of thing, for at least for our county. Um, so let me ask you this: If you get have a dog bite, and they call nine one one, oh, you, um, 
Well, that that's fine, obviously, because you're injured. Um, we'll ask you if you want an ambulance. We'll get your address, all the information. If you don't want an ambulance, we're pretty much going to be like, okay, well, is the animal still actively being aggressive on location? If not, then we're just going to like pretty much just refer you to animal control and be done. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. one is for police, fire, or ambulance. Like, we can't really send any. You know, like, we're not going to waste our time on. I know that sounds bad, but we're not going to waste our time on the phone for someone who doesn't need any of those things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, now, we do have on-call animal control officers, um, and those are specifically for, like, bite situations. Um, if an officer needs animal control due, an, due, due to an animal on a scene somewhere, you know, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We have that. But if there's just a stray dog not bothering anybody, we're not going to call the emergency animal. <laughs> you know, like, right. we're not going <laughs> we'll to no. we'll tell you to call back on the next business day. <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> so what kind of training uh, how how do you become what you are a 911 uh, um specialist? so I'll, I'll be real honest with you i've got my ged and an associates in psychology so i had to have no training well i mean no training to get <laughs> to get hired right. okay um basically you apply um with whatever agency is hiring um you're gonna go through a really long three to six month process of like a personal history packet, which is your PHP. And that literally is like dissecting your entire life on paper. And then they're going to literally check up on everything you put on there. They have a mm-hmm. background detective, detective, an actual detective that goes through all your stuff. And then um, you have to do your drug testing, psychological eval, your hearing testing, a um, bunch of stuff. And then mm-hmm. they're hired if you pass everything. And, um, Oh, I had a I had to do a board interview. <laughs> uh, no, not fun. not every agency does that. Mine did because it was all the the dispatch supervisors, um, mm-hmm. like five of them. <laughs> so that was really <laughs> <laughs> that's a challenge. So, so like one of, one of my questions in the interview was they had me listen to some night one calls and I was just supposed to tell them what to hear, and I did and I did well, but um, what do you call it? Uh, but I mean, I before this agency, I did EMS dispatching. But um, literally, you don't need any specific education as long as you don't have any felonies um, or a recent mm-hmm. drug use. Um, let's see, because basically, what they're looking for is they want a clean background um, and they want you to be drug free, obviously, uh, and mm-hmm. they want you to be able to get your TEKS, um, your your TEKS licensing or TECO licensing. Which is your Texas Commission on Law Enforcement uh, licensing, okay. which which is for law enforcement. Now, for fire, you have your your EDF, which is your um, or I'm sorry, your EMF, which is your Emergency Management Fire, and then you mm-hmm. have your EFD, which is your emerg. Oh, I'm sorry, EFD, which is Emergency Fire Dispatch, and then your EMD, which is your Emergency Medical Dispatch. Like they they have their own thing, but like mm-hmm. for what I do. I need my T-Coal licensing, which is very, I mean, they do the background check again to get your license. (laughs) Yeah. I work for the federal government. I've done plenty of those. So like with, with that licensure, I had to do 80 hours of class time as well. So, Mm -hmm. so so they actually do train you. Oh yeah. Take you in, even if you don't know how to do it though. No, no, it's just to get hired. Um, once you're hired, like you have three, I did, uh, well, I mean, my time on call taking was shorter because, like, I've done this before. But, like, usually mm-hmm. it's about a month to two of call taker training. 
you're left to settle with that for a little bit. Then you have your T-Light training, which takes another month or so. And then you have your radio training, which takes two to three months because that's your going to be your hardest one to do. And mm-hmm. all of it, all of it should be done in under a year because after a year you need to be licensed. So, okay. so it takes about a year of training. And you are licensed now. Yes, I'm licensed. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm working on, um, I'm working on getting my next license, like step up. Cause like right now, cause I mean, I've been there just over a year. So August would have been a year. Um, so a year and a quarter about. Um, so I have my basic telecommunicators license. Um, and around two years, I'll be able to put in for my intermediate, which will be like the step up on the licensure. Like I know what I'm doing now kind of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> That's you know? always good. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be a pay raise. So that'll be nice. Oh, so. that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know that because my husband was a dispatcher out at the nuclear weapons facility, the neighborhood uh-huh. nuclear weapons facility. And he was a fire dispatcher and he mm-hmm. needed to be able to explain to people like how to do CPR over the phone. Yeah. Um, so because we're like, okay, so some agencies you're required to know everything. You have to have mm-hmm. your EFD, EMD and your TCOL or whatever licensing your state has. Cause TCOL is specifically for Texas. Okay. Right. So let's just put, um, <laughs> so you know what state I'm in? I'm not telling you where I'm at. But <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so anyway, um, but uh you have your EFD your EMD and then your whatever state licensing you need for your law enforcement um right. so my job um like e- EMS will tell you CPR instructions fire can tell you fire instructions now EMS and fire they're the same dispatch they're cross trained okay mm-hmm. um so they can help each other out if one is busy right um right. now me we are not now even though I may know I may know my EMD from my past job. I'm mm-hmm. legally and policy-wise not allowed to give those types of instructions because I'm not EMS dispatch. And that's because it's a liability for our agency. Right. Um, which is fine. Yeah. If, you know, well, and anytime you try to give people directions over the phone, you never know what, what they're hearing. <laughs> I mean, they hear it, but how they process it, what they're really understanding of what you say. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the thing is, is, like, um, with law enforcement, we're trained with, like, uh, we're trained with, like, um, I'm going to say, like, domestic violence calls. We're trained on how to handle those. We're trained mm-hmm. on how to handle uh, shooter calls. We're trained on how to handle hostage calls. We're trained on how to handle, you know, other things. Mm-hmm. And, like, when when in a fire or medical call, are it's only going to be needed, regardless of what they say, you know, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we're trying to like listen between the words kind of thing, you know, yeah. with a lot of stuff. So, but well, and that, and that makes sense because, mm-hmm. like, I, well, like we've been saying, is that when you're when you're have your adrenaline going because you're in the middle of an emergency, it's hard to think. Yeah, and you you forget stuff real easy, like your name. Yeah, <laughs> well, like um, and like there's also a thing too where like. Like, our, our main TEKS testing, like, that'll tell us, like, basics on how to handle certain calls. But then mm-hmm. but then our, every agency has their own policy on how they have that stuff handled, too. Like, they have specific things they want asked or whatever, and that's fine. But that's why you have your year of training to get used to, like, the policies of your agency and to be ready for your testing. Because, like, with TCOL, 
that's the minimum of what an agency should be doing. So they mm-hmm. have to be at or above the level of T cult to be a, to, to to keep their licensing. So okay. So um, well, let me ask you because you've had training on domestic violence, and that's something that it's everywhere. Even though people don't like to talk about it, mm-hmm. what kind of things do you have to do with people who call in with a domestic violence problem? Well. It's dependent on if they even stay on the phone, because um, a mm-hmm. lot of times, when a, especially if it's a female calling, sadly, um, they'll they'll think it's a bad idea to call after they've called, and so they'll hang up, or they won't give us information. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, it's just keeping them separated until police get there, um, using de-escalation techniques, um, mm-hmm. just keep making sure our caller, if the caller is the victim, making sure they're safe um, by having them lock themselves in a room. You know, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's different things we do. Um, I don't want to say too much because you never know who's listening. <laughs> uh, just yeah. like, because, you know, abusers sometimes will use this information to um, mm-hmm. the advantage. But uh, basically, I mean, we have techniques on like just keeping the caller safe or the, the victim safe in those situations. And we have ways of figuring out like the caller may be calling saying they're the victim, but we have certain questions and we're able to determine if they're being truthful or not. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like what if there, cause a lot of times the aggressor will call and be like, I'm the victim. <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah. but there's certain clues and it's every time they're not smart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not smart. It's every time there's always something that will clue. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of times too, like we'll get name and dates of birth and we can run them while we're on the phone with them. So like mm-hmm. say John Smith calls and he's like, my wife hit me. I don't know what happened blah 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 and then we run him and he's got past family violence we're like oh yeah okay <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah you know um and like there might not be convictions like we can't count them as convictions or anything it's just we've handled him for family violence before and it says right here whether you're the suspect or the victim you know what i'm saying yeah like like we know so you're we're not done you're into that system then yeah no that. we yeah we because we're law enforcement we have access to the jail we have access to everything and like, we, we can pull up criminal histories and stuff because we're law enforcement. And that's what the T-Coal licensing is for, is access to the information. Okay. Making sure we're trained. Well, just as a as a shameless plug, uh-huh. um, I, have, I have written a novel called Domestic Terror, and it's oh. primarily about the presence of, of domestic terror, <laughs> domestic abuse, and mm-hmm. how, how it appears in different situations yeah Um, so if you wanted to read that book you can go on amazon and look for domestic terror and then k l fairweather okay Uh, otherwise otherwise you'll get domestic terrorism websites yeah the book (laughs) you have to put in the k l and fairweather Okay. But yeah, I actually, I enjoyed write, writing it. And most of the people that have read it have enjoyed reading it. So good. Yeah. Like my most recent, um, my most recent uh, continued education certification, I did a, a safe fit class, which specifically talks about like, just like better questions to ask. Like it's, it's more, it's more in-depth training for domestic violence calls and stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. we're talking about what to do if the person if the the abuser is a police officer, we even talk about that. So it's actually oh, that's good, helpful. Mm-hmm. So, 
Was- well, I have been talking to the, because I want to volunteer for our volunteer fire department here. Mm-hmm. And when I went to their first meeting, they were talking about getting what they're calling drive-by calls. Uh-huh. People drive by something and they'll see like a, a car on the side of the road and a guy under it. And they'll uh-huh. call it in and it's some guy that's fixing his oil pan or something. Oh, God. Or so- they'll see smoke <laughs> and they, they'll call it in and it'll be somebody's outdoor wood stove, you know, and things yeah. like that. No, we says, a lot. <laughs> even, <laughs> even they're real frustrated because they go out there and they look and there's nothing to going on. <laughs> well, it's like even with like police stuff, like they'll be like, oh, hey, I'm driving down the freeway and I saw this accident and they're probably hurt. Well, did you stop? No. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> well, where is it? Oh, I don't know. I passed it like five minutes ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, okay. I've actually done that myself, but I usually try and note like, yeah, the, the mile marker when <laughs> as I go by it, because sometimes it's not safe to stop on a high busy well, highway. Not, stop, not stopping's fine, but like, right. you don't know where they are. You can't describe it to me. You can't even tell me a business you pass by, and and mm-hmm. it was five minutes ago. You waited five minutes to call. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, and some people just they're not. I tell you, it's really you. You may not have noticed this, but if you're into this kind of emergency response stuff, there's a lot of people who never even think about it, and you can't understand why people don't like practice fire drills in their house or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know things like that, right? Uh, and know how to know how to call in an accident or use a radio or all the things that we know how to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it, but it's true. There's, there's a whole lot more people out there that don't think about that stuff than I think that do. Right. Well, yeah. and then it's like, um, you'll get some people like, especially on fire calls. They'll be like, how many people are in the house? And I'll be like, I don't know. And like, they have to count. And it's like, you don't know how many people are in your house. Like, well, once again, if you're, if your house is on fire, you're not thinking straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At all times. You, you can like forget one kid and, uh. No, that's fair. And to be fair, all I've got is my husband and my kids. So, you know, like, it's just. Well, the there you go. Yeah. Well, and, and your One dog is wonderful. Yeah, my doggie. Oh, we got a kitty now. <gasps> all right. Her name's Pepper. What's his name? Pepper, that's good. <laughs> She's cute. We've, we've got six. I'll send you <laughs> so... some pictures of Pepper. She's super adorable. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, if you send them, I'll put them on the website. Oh. And everybody can see her. Yay. Yeah, I got some new pictures of Vanguard, too, that I'll send over. So, nice. but, um. But no, um, the, the other thing, too, is uh, I did want to mention, if your animal is dying in any way, there's literally nothing we can do. Just find an emergency vet. Don't waste your time calling us because there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We don't use our services for animals. The only time yeah. the only time we do is if, like, a car hits a deer and the deer is, like, still alive and we need to go out there and shoot it and get it off the road. Like, that's pretty and, much what we'll do. <laughs> and that is actually in my book. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who hits a deer and he's not dead yet. Yeah. Well, like, the the thing is, is, like, um, you know, like, one, we have to go because it's a crash report, right? Two, right? two, it's, like, it's a very large animal that, when injured, can be violent. So we have to make sure that it's taken care of, you know. Um, right. Or at least off the road. <laughs> like, well, up here, up here, there's huge white-tailed deer everywhere, so you have to watch, especially in the evening when they come out, and they will, they will come through your windshield, and you know, they're yeah. they're huge, and 
The other thing is you don't want to leave that carcass on the road for somebody else to run into. Right. And that's the big thing we go out is like, we'll drag it off the road. Now, as far as like actual, you know, getting the body away, like we have to wait for the commissioner. And it's not, if it's off the road, it's not an emergency. They're not going to come out until like Monday if it's a weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Dead deer side of the road until the next business day. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so. yeah, and that. I get that. Yeah. Now, no, there's a couple. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to ask about stories, okay. but. Oh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of something that would be appropriate. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So we had one lady. We have a richer section of our county. Okay, like very rich. Extremely mm-hmm. rich section. And the lady calls in and she's like, there's just these black boys and black girls walking down the road. And I'm like, okay, what are they doing? <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's like, uh, oh, they're, they're just walking. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, what are they doing? That's weird. You know, like, I'm not mm-hmm. just gonna take your word for it. And she's like, she's like, well, there's this birthday party down the street. And I'm like, okay, well, are they going to the birthday party? She's like, yeah, but they told me to shut up and mind my own business. I'm like, okay, well, was this, like, in front of your house, or what happened? She's like, no, I walked over there to find out what they were doing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, well, maybe you should set up my business. And then, so- and then like, so I'm getting some basic information, and she's realizing that I don't really care. <laughs> and so um, then she starts with, well, it's just me and my daughter, and we're scared. Like, just crying out of nowhere. Like, we'll mm-hmm. be fine until now. And so I just noted everything. The, the the unit that came out was one of our black officers. And mm-hmm. he knew everything of what she said in that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, I don't know if that was so much uh, an actual call as more Karenism. No, that's a, that's a Karenism. Um, yeah. Okay, so like a pretty cool call we had. Um, I got to deliver. I got to help with delivering a baby over the phone. That was kind of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, technically it's an EMS call, but we're staying on the line because we have to do it as a welfare check as well. Um, the police mm-hmm. have to come to but it's okay. Um, and what was funny is the caller, who's the female, well, well, first the husband called, panicking, just panicking mm-hmm. all over the place. My wife's just in the bathroom. I'm like, give the phone to your wife because she sounds fine. Like, we're not hearing screaming or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, she's like, I just had my baby. I'm like, oh, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I mean, EMS is already on the phone, so they're giving instructions, you know, and she's calm. And EMS is like, okay, find something to tie the cord. And she's like, hun, I need you to find something. And I'm like, and, you know, me, I chimed in, I'm like, get a shoelace or something. Like, just rip a shoelace <laughs> off. And, and the husband, you just hear him like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just in the back, <laughs> running back and forth. You can hear him running. <laughs> she's like, I am so sorry. He panics under stress. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm just like, like I mute myself, and I'm just laughing, like obviously. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Like, cause she's super calm, just holding the baby, you know. And he's mm-hmm. like panicking, and it was like the most hilarious thing I've ever had. <laughs> I well, I got it. a call, and I wasn't even a nine one one. I was just working in Florida for for FEMA, and this woman called me, and I may have said this before on another on another episode, but. I get this phone call and this woman says, my house, my house is going into a sinkhole. Oh, and no. I said, I said, okay, are you inside the house? And she said, yes. And I said, well, can you go out the front door? She says, no, it's underground. 
And I went, okay, <laughs> can you can you go out the back door? And she goes, no, there's snakes everywhere. Oh my and God. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there going, she should be talking to 911. Yeah. <laughs> but, but finally I said, well, is there a window you can get out of? And she waited a second. She goes, yeah, I think so. And I said, well, is your purse there? Yes. Grab your purse and go out the window. And I mean, you know, it's like, I have no idea why she called me, but, <laughs> but we got her out of there. Okay. Oh, we have the usuals like nine one ones for noise complaints, and then non emergency lines for my gym is my my Jimmy boy isn't breathing. You know, like we get that. Yeah. Show. But like some of the most memorable ones are like I had one. It was a family violence call, and it was the boy that called. He was seven or eight, maybe nine, nine at the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls, and the first words out of his mouth were, "My dad is killing my mom," and. It kind of took my breath away, but, you know, quickly, yeah. you know, um, I mean, and, but I mean, like when you're, it sounds like you couldn't do the job, but when you're sitting there, it's completely different. Um, mm-hmm. like it kind of took my breath away. So I get his address, get all the information I need. I'm, I'm getting information, you know, whatever, keeping the officers up to date. They get there when he realizes the police were there and he was okay. He started crying. I started crying. Mm-hmm. Like, God bless yeah. you and everything you and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> yeah it was Jeez. like it was emotional I had to take a five minute yeah. break for that. <laughs> well and yeah and we have to do that too sometimes when we hear a disaster survivor tell us a story of how they like escape from a fire with mm-hmm. flames going melting their yeah windows and stuff it's yeah you sometimes you do have to step away you know and I remember um because my my kiddo has recently been you know, uh, diagnosed with epilepsy. So it, it's been oh, no. since uh, October was mm-hmm. that we've had the diagnosis now. And I remember literally right after we had gotten that diagnosis, like a shift later, like my next shift that I work after we got the diagnosis, I had a, I had parents calling screaming cause their kid was having a seizure and I'm just like, Oh my God. So I took the call and I went and took a full-on break, like, 15-minute break after that. Because I just, I needed that time to just collect myself. And normally, like, those calls don't bother me. It was just, like, with my personal, as much as I like to say, like, separate personal from work. Like, sometimes that, that it hits you. Sometimes it hits you different when it's you and you're, you're yeah. familiar with the feeling, you know. Well, I, I remember going on a ride-along when I was working with the Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, the ambulance service at this little town invited me to go on ride-along. And the very first call was a child, my son's age, with a severe asthma attack, which my son had all the time. Yeah. And so that was kind of weird for me to, to. Yeah. Until we got there. And by when we got there, it was okay because, you know, the guys were doing what they need to do. And I, I would knew what was going on so that it didn't bother me anymore. But when I first heard it, I was like, no, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like. If if you want to do this job, my my biggest questions would be, um, if you're doing it for the money, don't. If you're doing it mm-hmm. for recognition, don't, because you don't you don't get recognized <laughs> at all. Well, yeah, and you really don't want to. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, but the thing is, is like, like you know, if you're doing, because you know, like they have thin blue line, they have you know, fire firefighters are like a big deal, you know, whatever. Like dispatchers, mm-hmm. we did the same so if you're doing it to feel like a hero all day long though just if you if you're if you genuinely if you genuinely want to help people you're good at multitasking and you're good at um if you're good at staying calm under high pressure then do this Mm -hmm. job 
you know. Or you could be an air traffic controller. That too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, um, but, like, with this job, like, you've got to be able to go from, like, high adrenaline to, like, nothing. Because you get calls all the time where you just had a family beating the crap out of each other. And then your next call is Jim down the street. I'm complaining about the Mexicans loud music, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like you get stuff like that all the time. And, and it's just like, you just have to be able to go and handle yourself under pressure and under stress. Yeah. You know, like that's the big thing. If you have no self-control, don't, don't do this job. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you don't want to end up crying and having somebody take the phone away from you. Well, that or like um, you don't want to lose your temper on a caller because they are very good at pushing buttons. Let me tell you. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, don't don't lose your temper because um, that'll just make it worse. Because like there's mm-hmm. I'm not going to name names, but there's a couple people that I've worked with where the caller's being a right asshole and they mm-hmm. lose their temper and they start yelling. And it's like that just makes it worse. You need to calm down, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> yep. stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll admit, I've lost my temper once or twice, but I've, I've immediately caught myself in the moment and I've like, let it go. You know, like, like you've just mm-hmm. got to, like, it's one thing, it's one thing for it to happen very rarely, but it's another, like, if you always lose your temper or like, if you feel disrespected very easily, don't do this job. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I, I get you. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Um... I mean, not really. Uh, I do have to get ready for work here soon. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, and we don't want to keep you from doing that because we need you out there. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just reiterate the Home on the Strange podcast. Yep. About and we, Texas history and supernaturals. Yep. And we haven't had a, an episode in over a year, but we're working on it. So. <laughs> okay. Good. And the old ones are worth listening to. So if you haven't yeah. listened to them, go on and take, take a listen because mm-hmm. Lindsay and Sam are really good at that stuff. Yep. So, well, we try. <laughs> but All right. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate yeah. it, and we need to do it more often. Thank you for listening to Disaster Tales. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. Our website is www.disastertales.com. Music by Stephanie Cerny. If you have a disaster tale to share, Feel free to send it to us at kate at disastertales.com. We'd love to share your story with our listeners. Thanks again. Today's disaster tip comes to us from the book called The Ultimate Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. We're going to choose, uh, it's by David Borknick, Joshua Piven, and Ben H. Winters. Now, this is an interesting book. It has several different topics that you can deal with, like how to deal with a tarantula, how to survive um, a bite from a spider. It gives you things about how to win a sword fight and all kinds of different tips. But today's tip is going to be about surviving the common cold. This time of year, we have a lot of uh, cold and flu viruses going around. And the treatment and care of a person during those times is pretty standard. And first of all, you want to get some rest, resting, not going to work, Yay. not going out and playing in the woods, or although some people feel like hard work does help to burn the cold out quicker, like my husband. But anyways, <laughs> so rest, drinking plenty of fluids, 
Gargling with warm salt water for a scratchy throat or an excessive amount of mucus. Don't swallow. Don't swallow. Thank you, Katie, for that information. <laughs> also, chicken soup. It's kind of a standard uh, fare for people when they have a cold. But the reason why is because you make it with garlic and onion, and garlic and onion both have sulfur compounds in them. Those compounds are excreted through the lungs and the respiratory tract as uh, antiviral and antibacterial. So it can be helpful physically for treating the symptoms, but it also tastes really yummy, and it's kind of easy on the stomach. Also, it's been shown in laboratory testing that zinc can interfere with the replication of a cold virus. So taking zinc supplements, using zinc nasal spray, uh, taking zinc lozenges, those kinds of things, will help to uh, keep a cold from replicating and, and growing worse. But not zinc sunscreen, like you... Not externally. Way. These are things that need to be taken internally, and okay. sunscreen should not be taken internally. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that tip. Okay. So those sprays, the, the, the zinc is also very helpful. There's no clear evidence that colds are slowed or stopped or even prevented by the use of echinacea or vitamin C, although some people really think that it's very helpful, and it does help alleviate symptoms. So either it's psychological or it's a secondary effect. So now a cold isn't caused by being overheated or by getting chilled. A cold is a viral illness. It's picked up either through droplet contact, hand um, on a contaminated surface, or through airborne transmission. So the common cold can be really miserable, makes you feel awful, your body's aches, aches, you know, all of those things. But just supportive care is very important. Also, the supportive care helps to prevent it going into a worse infection, say pneumonia or a sinus infection or something like that by being proactive and taking care of yourself with your symptoms. That's right. So that's our disaster tip for today. Stay well. Don't die. <laughs>